0: Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam
1: Pawlik.
2: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, powered by First National. We are live at the Toronto Real Estate Forum. This is part of our speaker video series, sponsored by Dow Vukovic, ML Emporio Properties, RICOM, and Turner Townsend. Our guest today is uh, Bill Bolander. Vice President, Country Manager, Canada Prologis. Bill's been in charge of a very large Canadian portfolio for, um, we were talking before, about eight years and now. Almost
0: 10. Almost in, 10 uh, in uh, July.
2: So I know I know Bill from the start of my career in uh, Collier's. I was only there for a couple of years, but he had a much longer tenure there. But Bill you know, was there when I started. And then uh, shortly after I left, he left to jump on this opportunity. Any regrets? <laughs> <laughs> None at all. None yeah. at all. So anybody who's not familiar with Prologis, and it's always funny saying this about companies that have you know, large imprints, but maybe just real quick, you know, what's Prologis, what do you do? And then we're going to look backwards. We're going to go back to the start of your career, how you got into real estate, and uh, you know, what was the big attraction to uh, industrial?
0: Thanks, Adam. Yeah, so just quickly uh, you know, hit the, the part you mentioned about Prologis. So Prologis, largest uh, global uh, owner, developer, and uh, an operator of, uh, of industrial properties, 1.2 billion square feet around the world public REIT, uh, listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and the headquarters are in uh, in San Francisco. What's the uh, market cap? Ooh, it changes uh, changes all the time <laughs> right <laughs> now. Yeah, it it yeah. Depends, depends with the stock going up and down. But <laughs> yeah. um, as you mentioned, you and I used to be at, uh, at Collier's. So I started at uh, Collier's as an industrial broker in uh, in 98. I uh, was there for 15 years until uh, 13, and then got... Uh, recruited at by Prologis to uh, oversee the Canadian business. So excited about it still as I, as I was when I started and uh, really happy with, with the role, the position, the team and the company.
1: How often are you in San Francisco? We're set up
0: regionally, kind of west, central and east. So I've only been uh, to San Francisco a few times. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, beautiful city. So our, our region uh, is based our leadership sits in Atlanta for okay. the East region, so uh, definitely yeah, down there a lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot. But but really, we're we're kind of real estate people first and foremost. So people love to get out and kind of see the buildings, you know, walk them. So our leadership comes to the markets way more than we go to see people uh, yeah, elsewhere.
1: That makes total sense.
0: Out of the 1.2 billion globally, what's the Canadian footprint? We're about 11 million square feet operating portfolio here in the in the GTA. All in the GTA and about six million square feet of development pipeline. That's a huge pipeline
2: relative to the stabilized product in your portfolio. That's a, that growth trajectory is huge.
0: Our business really is is always being active in the development business. You know, built a suit is a is a huge part of our of our business. And really it's the it's the raw material of our industry. So if you're if you're out of land, really tough to grow, then you're kind of left with you know, the only way to grow after that is kind of lining up with uh, with all of your best friends bidding on product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you
2: uh, in the market for land in the current environment?
0: We are. It would have to be something compelling and, and optimistic. We're definitely kind of really watching and kind of looking for data points right now as to, you know, has it moved? How much is it going to move? And trying to come to events like this and, you know, really listen to the crystal ball as to, when people think things are gonna gonna stabilize. This'll be the third cycle I've seen in the business. And and really kind of like you and I chat about it briefly, the really interesting point about this cycle is is the last ones, kind of pricing, tenant demand, rents kind of all declined. But you know this time around, the tenant demand and, and the rents still continue to move forward and upwards, pricing seems to be the real kind of question mark and I think you guys have being kind of front and center in the financing world. And you know, there's a lot of trepidation and, and challenges on that side.
2: Well, and you're not subject to that because you don't use uh, Canadian mortgage finance, so it's, uh, interview's over, but uh, no. <laughs> thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you are correct. It, it, is, it is challenging, especially the cap rates you see on GTA Industrial, and you're looking at negative leverage year one, and then you hope the rents grow another 15%, and all of a sudden you're back on side. But yeah, no, it's
0: making it tougher to, tougher to transact without a doubt. Right. So like as as you said, we don't typically do property level debt, but we do you know, when we're looking at properties, when we're looking at developments, we do account for it like it's there as a prudent measure.
1: Mm-hmm. When you're going through the exercise of acquiring land, acquiring new assets, development, because you've got this large global entity that you work within, and maybe this is an easy question or a hard question, and I apologize for putting you in a bad position, but is it tough to say, hey, I need more money for this if they're saying, well, wait a minute, in Germany there's a better, more attractive investment? or is And then this is a two-part question. One, curious of the interworkings of just availability of capital. and like is, that it, is it a global bake-off? Yeah, is that the and, and question? two, how does it compare? How does Canada's industrial investment and returns compare to the rest of the world that ProLogic plays in? Great question. It's actually one I get, the first part, is one I get all the time.
0: Yeah. And um, our company, when we're in a market, we're a market player in that market so we won't lose a a deal or get compared against another market because our message to you know the brokerages and sellers and and tenants if we're in a market we're there at those market rates so we're developing we're, we're looking at buildings that are kind of market cap rates in toronto and again, if, if we're in a market, we're looking to to grow and, and develop our portfolio there. I'm not going to get told you didn't get money for that deal because we're going to get 75 or 100 basis points on a development deal in, in some other place.
1: And part uh, of that is just to keep the trust with the broker market. Know that you're at the table. They can call you. Yeah, you're available. If you say you're in, you're in.
0: Brokers and, and the uh, and the customers. Right. They're coming to you. They're depending on you to deliver buildings for their needs. And a lot of those customers are looking kind of forward and saying, okay, we want to partner with someone now that has a portfolio that we can see ourselves having some flexibility to you know, grow and expand in at a later date. What do
1: you say customers? Do you mean tenants? Yeah, that's... That's good. No, yeah. no just, that's, I like that. The colloquialism is important, right? Yep, internal, yep. the way that you think about it. Okay. So then the second part of the question was just a comparison between Canada returns and the rest of the world or I mean the other markets that Prologis participates in?
0: What's well, the best way to describe that? Canada just kind of stepping back outside of Prologis has always been viewed as a very kind of stable place to be kind of never gets too high never gets too low and it's always been a market where foreign capital from all places around the globe has chased and we generally look at Canada as values are never going to really dip with tends to happen here during cycles is people just decide not to sell so like I'm sure when you're looking at financing right now there's not a lot of data points that have really dropped because, because people just say you know what I'm, I'm not going to sell it's a very well especially the industrial side it's a very well-capitalized, institutional business. feel bad for our business. appraisal friends,
1: right? It's like, yeah, here's an appraisal. It's worth this because, you know, a transaction from nine months ago. It's like, oh,
0: what? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, everyone, everyone here is talking about where cap rates. Last week, we went to the, uh, the CB conference in, in Nashville, and their investment team hasn't published a cap rate map in almost a year because they're all over. And you know the Yeah the
1: range is between <laughs> nine and a half and
0: four and a half. It'll yeah, a so so it's just it's it's a very tough thing to kind of put your finger on. But stepping back to answer the question, view Canada and specifically Toronto as a really kind of stable place to be, stable, you know, economy, stable dollar. Oregon
1: Stable
0: (laughs) yeah perfect for
1: perfect for bankers perfect for institutional
0: (laughs) money and bankers (laughs) you know it's uh, generally soft curves
1: Um, no geopolitical risk no military risk none of that stuff just no political risk at all (laughs) like it's just gonna well, it was funny. Yeah. You know,
2: whenever I, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but I'll bring it up again. Whenever we interact with Americans or coming here to invest, they always comment on uh, the lack of the cowboy in uh, the Canadian lenders and Canadian institutions. That we do play it a little safe, but that's why their highs and lows tend to be a
0: little more uh, jagged in terms of the the peaks and the valleys. Yeah, you look at our market delivering twelve million square feet, kind of plus or minus, and we we seem to have kind of topped out at that whereas you know you're seeing equivalent markets uh, you know elsewhere building you know 20 30 40 50 million square feet we could probably absorb that amount of space is right that here like in the GTA 12, the 12 million square yeah. feet yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's
1: in development on coming online the next sort of 2 to 3 years like that no that's,
0: that's kind of annually okay. we're, we're delivering okay, okay, you okay, know 100. plus or minus right different brokerages are tracking it and tracking the completion sort of a different that's kind of the yeah the general
1: rule yeah for the sure. number
0: we we we're, we're using to say this is what we're delivering but, you know, we look at markets. Markets should be able to absorb 2% of their inventory every year, really without doing too much to the market, just through kind of natural attrition of older space. So, you know, 800 million, what are you, 16? So we're, we're not even getting to that. So we could easily definitely absorb, uh, absorb more. But it's not occurring. Yeah, it's just our entitlements are, are, take a long time. We've run into you know supply issues with you know certain elements of construction over the last couple of years. You know, COVID definitely didn't help, making it a little tougher to get kind of things across the border and slow and slowing that. But at the same time, it's it's um, made the product that uh, you know we're delivering into the market the new product even more valuable. Are you are you delivering right now anything recently or upcoming? We have about 1.8 of the six at various stages of development. So right from scraping sites to uh, enclosing buildings. Are you spec or design build on those? A little
2: bit of both. Okay. And what are you see right now is the pros and cons of each. If you were, you know, we had a Aaron and I own a piece of dirt and we come to you with it and we're all going to make an industrial building. What's what's the strategy behind the spec or
0: design build? For us, you want, we want to have a have a mixture of design build and spec. Definitely over the last few months with kind of the volatility in the markets, we've kind of, pump the brakes on new spec projects, but uh, the stuff in Toronto was was kind of stuff we already had underway and you know I think we'll take the the, the first quarter second quarter just to be cautious and see how the markets play out, but hundred percent we'll continue to chase you know built to suit deals on our on the lands that we hold for our kind of existing customers and and new customers
1: what's your like the perfect build right we, we talk about all the different subclasses of industrial. Are you just warehouse? Are you cross dock facilities, cold storage, small bay? Like, what do the, how does it work? Are you kind of like whatever fits the demand for that particular location? It's definitely the fit for the particular market. And uh, definitely in the GTA,
0: we're seeing the requirements get larger and larger and larger. So, you know, you're seeing developers building million square foot. You know, spec buildings where a decade ago maybe somebody tried one and, and ended up dividing it uh, up for maybe a couple of customers, but now you're seeing those those requirements. You know, million million two. Dude, but how many
1: tenants could <laughs> take
0: on that space? Like there must how, be how many companies system. in the country
1: that can take on that space, right? Like, uh,
0: well, there's also, but then there's also the third party logistics companies that might aggregate a handful of customers into a building, and then you know, then they get economies of scale.
1: Was that, like the Etsy's? Is it, what is Who is that? You could say <laughs> yeah. Amazon, I guess. We're all thinking that. No, no, else? like
0: the, the large kind of public uh, 3PLs out there, you know, the the Koon and Nagels, the, the DHLs, the Shankers, all, all of those sort of companies that, you know, the global third-party logistics companies, you know, definitely kind of active groups in those larger buildings. If I'm doing the math right, you've
2: had a 25-year career, so 15 at uh, Collier's and then uh, 10 at Prologis. Can you reflect a bit on how much has changed? Because industrial is not the bell of the ball when you started in uh, in well, real the, estate. When Let's, you started yeah. at
1: Collier's, what was the average net rent? When you yeah. left Collier's, what was the average net rent? And then what is it today? Because I, I it, bet it went you up twenty five cents. Giant frame. Frame, right? it,
0: yeah, no, one hundred percent is so. The first part of the career, you're coming out of school, you're just kind of learning about office, industrial, retail, and really kind of getting a feel for, you know, the different sectors in that first couple years as to where you want to land. And, and uh, you know, I landed in the industrial world. Well, what, was, what was the hot asset class at the time? And du- why did you go into it? Industrial <laughs> was taking off. Definitely the majority of new people in the business went downtown to the office world, uh, you know, coming out of school, wanting to live in, uh, in downtown Toronto.
2: Yeah, it's a different proposition if you're gonna
0: be out uh, out in the suburbs driving around industrial lots. It's <laughs> yeah, you know what, I, I just got uh, you know attracted to that sector of the business. There's so much uniqueness about every building and, and every customer's need. And you know, still to this day, one of the things I love the most is is you know, walking spaces, seeing businesses, seeing businesses that you didn't even know were businesses. And uh, you just see something, you're like, I didn't even, I didn't even know this was, this was something. And uh, you walk through and see a company needing to expand, needing more space. And it's nice to be able to get back out into the, uh, to the world after the last couple of years and, and walking through the spaces and doing stuff like this in the forum, in in three D, and, and and not looking at the front of the screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, a
1: screen.
2: It's a yeah a happy return to normalcy. I, yeah. I think at this point, not that I'm sure there's not COVID walking around in this room right now, but uh, it is back normal for the most part. Don't think about it. Yeah, no, no, I don't. It's funny. My uh, the reason I got into industrial was it was 2009. Jobs were scarce, and I got a job offer in industrial, so I was going to be an industrial. that was, a, yeah, that that was, that was decision was, that, was
1: made. So that well thought through. Yeah. Let's go back to rents for a little bit. Where were rents when you left? Callers, like six bucks, I'm gonna guess, just to throw a number. Out. Yeah. So
0: thinking back to that, kind of when I started in '98, like industrial rents were were five dollars, five fifty forever, and they just kind of trickled along for that kind of 15 years and. 650, maybe barely
1: touching seven, and now put a one in front of that. Why? How did that happen so drastically, so quickly? I mean, you can blame e-commerce, but that's not the whole story, right?
0: No, no, definitely not. So, you know, what's happened over over the years? It's become harder and harder to bring new land online for a number of reasons here. So, first of all, the GTA is a land-constrained market. You know, you've got a lake to the south and and a green belt wrapping around the GTA and bringing new lands online is a long, long-term process. And what we've all seen is, is a tremendous amount of immigration coming into the country. And now, I think, with the government, say, the 300,000 annually, uh, they're bumping that up to 500,000. And when you're increasing you know, the number of people, people need stuff. And stuff flows through our buildings. So that's going to continue. As long as we keep having people moving to the GTA and and increasing, it's going to keep moving the demand higher for industrial buildings, distribution centers. Definitely, e-commerce did help and and really through COVID got supercharged. If you look at the e-commerce companies, the courier companies all building out that infrastructure. If you think before COVID, grocery e-commerce was pretty much non-existent here. And I don't know too many people that used it prior. And now, everyone you talk to is you know, trying it, using it, so, you know, that kind of went from zero to 100 miles an hour really fast, and um, so did all the other aspects. Now, now they're all trying to kind of catch up, and and if you look in the U.S., the the e-commerce companies, you know, one-day delivery and going to to even less, and we're kind of catching up from there. So, uh, you know, I think our infrastructure and e-commerce from percentage to retail is is behind the U.S. and so. With the people moving to the GTA, and kind of the, the the ongoing ramp up of e-commerce, we don't see a lot of a lot of negatives in the industrial market in the GTA. No, that's it, for sure. It sounds
1: like the fundamentals are, are strong as ever. So, yeah. so then, what is the hesitancy? Like, I mean, you talked about how from a land acquisition, you're kind of in a wait and see. But if you think everything's there. Maybe it's different because you're working for a much you know larger global entity. But is the market still frothy with acquisitions and, and, and you know developments and leases? Like, is it is it still just hesitancy, or why is it hesitant then, if the fundamentals seem to be still so strong?
0: Well, I think definitely when you're when you're layering in your your interest rates, your cost of capital, your construction financing, all of those those sort of things have all gotten more expensive. Yeah. So you've got owners of land that saw trades a year ago at a, at a certain level with all the interest rates much lower and the, and the cap rates lower similar rent rents still kind of growing but now with with that's kind of, falls what you're saying with those <laughs> yeah, well plugging it in you have to account for it you have to be prudent and and know kind of what it would cost to borrow that money and for those projects so the only variable left is the land price so you get a lot of sellers saying you know what I, I'm I'm just going to hold on I'm going to wait till-
1: What is the sort of land per square foot buildable right now? You know, Just Throw a number out. I know it's going to be, it's all over the place. You, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing
0: prices for large blocks over $2 million an acre. Right. But I say that with a big asterisk because, you know, there's no square yeah. 10, 50, 100 acre blocks. Every site is unique. Or against
1: a ravine or something, which creates all sorts of- Chaos. Well, one hundred
0: acre block might have twenty five acres that are unusable. So all of a sudden, people will see that trade and say that that traded for half of what you said. But you really have to dive really deep into understanding those trades. You know, there might be you know a significant offsite cost, the uh, contribution to a road or or something that again, when you do your when you look at a site, you discover all those sort of things and you work it into your number. But someone that just sees a price and a size of a site might not it's, understand
1: it's, I just asked the question about per square foot buildable but it clearly it's per acreage but that why does industrial sort of price well, out because it's land? flat it's one story <laughs> well, yeah. okay I guess but, but to your point you can't build certainly I mean because then there's all sorts of double ratios like turning ratios for trucks and parking ratios right. and all that kind of stuff does it not kind of depend on what you can build on the land therefore drive what you would pay for it
0: yeah 100% the, you, you, you kind of reverse engineer it from you know this is what we can You go even further. this is what we could lease this building out for. Yeah, and then you know it might be a, a cross dock building, or you know building with doors on one side. So
1: you know the cross dock building or multiple, multiple stories. Now you got to start talking oh, about further This first is one of Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's favorite <laughs> topic. No, no, we're not going to go to there. We'll just we'll stick to the two or three stories that we're seeing developed right now. Maybe do you want to go there and just talk about you know multi store industrial and what you believe and how Prologis approaches it? Sure. So we were the first ones to build a new modern
0: multi-story in, in North America and that was done a few years ago in um, Seattle. It's called Georgetown Crossings. It was a three-story. So, And are land values there nuts to make it uh, viable? You know what? Off the top of my head, I just, I just couldn't tell you what the, the exact land values are there. I, I know it was uh, close to the city core type location where people that needed to be close so, or see value in being you know very close to the people that live in the, the densest areas of the city need it.
2: Well, and given that within Canada, all the multi level industrial conversation tends to cluster around Toronto and Vancouver, so you assume it's going to be those markets where it's going to be the most viable? Yeah, eventually.
1: Is it something you consider yeah. when you're you, doing you, Pro Formos, or is it just kind of not, not worth it? Do you, do you have an
2: Excel spreadsheet? Is it your daydreaming Excel spreadsheet? Or is it just a toggle <laughs> you click, click on, off, two
1: story, one story?
0: You know what? It's something that uh, the company looks to us to say. You know, the people in the local market. A more importantly than anything is: is would the local market accept it? Would would customers rent that space on the second or, or, or the third floor? And it's a tough one to say here right now because no one is, no one has built one, and those buildings are very large investments. So uh, you want to be really sure when you when you do it. You know, a couple people have floated the ideas around in this market. And uh, you know, I'm told the response was kind of lukewarm. We look at where could that work? Could it work, you know, in in South Etobicoke? Could it work in a more downtown location? I think so eventually, but like last mile e-commerce kind of concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout
1: out to my Mimico brother in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so we're all running out of time, Bill. I mean, maybe the last thing we could talk about is just the. Um, your 2023, 2024 outlook. Like, what is it that you guys are having conversations at Prologis, and what does the investment look like? What's the strategy look like? I know we're in a kind of a wait and see environment, yeah. but clearly you're also ready to pounce. Like, availability of capital is not an issue for you, right? So, or any any right. risks in the
2: market that aren't the super obvious ones that we all know about? Any, any things you see out there?
0: No, I think we look at it from a relatively simple approach when kind of we're reporting up to you know our bosses as to you know what are we seeing in the market. They're looking to us. To understand in every local market, what are the risks? Are you seeing overbuilding? Are you seeing customers pull back? Are you are you seeing space sit on the market longer? Kind of none of which we've seen here. And what have we gotten to a 0.7 percent vacancy rate, which is you know unheard of anywhere, and and uh, you know it's uncharted waters for us. So you know we're going to continue looking for prudent investments. You know doing built-to-suits on our existing. Land Holdings you know be opportunistic if, if sites come forward to us in this market, but um, you know as I mentioned earlier, first uh, couple of quarters for us here are going to be a little bit of digest what's there, see if some data points do come up as to has land gone down we are continuing to see rents rents go and see extremely strong uh, customer demand, so that's definitely checking the box. So if land is down, is it time to go shopping? If the rents justify it and the construction costs are, you know, are what we're projecting and, and what we'll, we're budgeting, yeah. Yeah, would be
2: hard-pressed to think of three good reasons why industrial rent would go down. But yeah, the construction cost is more variable that could uh, make your performance In- a little more. Don't forget
1: about interest rates. <laughs> Bill
2: did say before we started recording that uh, while they don't use mortgage uh, property level debt, they do track it
0: just to you know understand. understand. Well, the, uh, they're Rates are out. I'll tell you that. That's yeah, I think it. you you have to be prudent in looking at it and understanding it in your in your pro formas and understanding. You know how
1: your competitors
0: are, are are bidding on those same sort of sites.
1: Well, you never know. I mean, obviously, you all of a sudden you might need it, and if you find yep. out you need it and it's at a rate that's we know who to call. 200, <laughs> yeah. And if it's two hundred basis points more than you thought it was going to be, now you're now you're out of out of luck, right? Right. So. You,
0: you know what? We do read the briefs. We read the the updates to you know understand where the market is going. hundred uh, percent.
2: So you are a country manager for Canada, but just GTA exposure. Do you ever peek into? Neighboring provinces or cities to, for opportunities. Yeah,
0: we've in the past did some development in Vancouver. That product was sold uh, before my time, and uh, definitely looking at the uh, at the major centers across Canada for good opportunities that uh, you know we could use to to enter a couple of those markets. Because it's like you said, the most important driver for us is we do get our six thousand customers we have around the around the globe calling us asking for solutions in these various markets and um, we're all real estate people and we we love to uh, do deals profitably and lease buildings to uh, satisfy the customer needs. So that's that's really a good opportunity and demand from our customers is is what will uh, see us uh, cross the provincial lines to grow uh, laterally. So, Bill, we're
2: almost out of time here, and we always like to kind of end off with a bit of a you know, forward-looking projection. We're obviously in a shifting part of the cycle, a changing part of the cycle, or whatever, whatever the beginning you want to call it. Of the cycle. Beginning of the cycle, yeah. yeah. So what would you say to people listening who are in the industrial space about your thoughts on
0: industrial into the next cycle? Yeah, so I, I think that's probably why the forum is uh, as well-attended right now as it ever has been this year, because you know people are looking for you know, that crystal ball as to what's coming for the next couple of years most importantly for us in 23, 24, we see ongoing customer demand, the need to be in the GTA and uh, are bullish to keep growing our business here. We don't see any relief valve in sight for vacancy rates and nothing that's going to all of a sudden cause us to go from 12 million feet to to 50 million square feet uh, overnight in construction. So, I think, Joel, as you mentioned earlier, you know, industrial, kind of the boring, stable asset class, we think it's from that perspective, it's going to continue to, uh, you know, run and rents will continue to grow. The purchase price, cap rates, interest rates, I think that'll be interesting to watch how that plays out. But fundamentally, when customers need the space, the business will keep moving. Yeah, I think that you probably sleep better than
2: some of uh, your uh, comrades in the other asset classes. No bags under your eyes that are noticeable. So it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not an office. Yeah, reed, that's for yeah sure, I think right? I think
0: you're probably well positioned. Yeah, you know what you know what does stress us out is is the length and, and and time it takes to develop new buildings because customers calling you saying I need space. You hate to say no. Well, especially to to the say customer we you have
2: from another country that wants to
0: come in 100%. and that's part of
2: your value is your, your global exposure.
0: Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and uh, we're no different from everyone else in the market with kind of those those same pains of delivering uh, uh, space and the, and the timelines to do it. We'd all rather you know have the buildings up and leased out and, and, and customers growing their businesses.
2: All right, Bill, I appreciate you spending time with us today. You have your panels upcoming, I believe, so good luck speaking on your panel either later today or tomorrow. Uh, we want to thank, of course, First National for powering the podcast. The Real Estate Forums are hosting us here and putting together the speaker video series. We want to thank our sponsors, Dow Vukovic, ML Emporio Properties, RICOM, and Turner Townsend. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the end.
1: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast After Show, where Adam and I talk about the talk we just had with Bill Bolander. GTA Industrial, we've done a bunch. It was really interesting just to hear his perspective, though, of having global perspective.
2: Global capital perspective. Global capital perspective. Local portfolio. Yeah,
1: local portfolio, but being able to leverage the understanding of what's going on in that asset class globally and getting support. And that there's the desire, the need, the want to stay active and participate in this specifically GTA industrial market. And he kind of said, and it's unquestioned, which is great. And we didn't really, unfortunately, get into the different variances between other markets and where Toronto might stack on a global perspective. I can guess it's sort of stability, large population strong economies save and except for maybe the immediate moment but it's not 30% yields long-term
2: perspectives
1: it's a great place to
2: invest you asked that question there but are you in a beauty pageant with other markets or capital and basically no we have a strategy to deploy in Canada and we're proceeding with that But for other organizations, that might not be true. And it would be an interesting shift if something out of your control completely to some other market just all of a sudden becomes super attractive that you're now sidelined in your local market because Brazil's on fire. You know, it's a little different way of approaching your real estate. But it sounds like that's not the case with Bill and they're dedicated to the GTA.
1: The other thing that we talked about a little bit It's just the need for this asset, particularly in sort of the urban core, right? We didn't really get into it. We've got into other topics, but I think perhaps we talked about it with an offline apologies. But we were talking about how there's just not enough land availability in the urban markets. And so that $18, $20 per square foot rent probably is still growing. There's probably some growth still in that rental market or that rental levels, particularly in urban core, because there isn't the land availability. And when you get an access to that land, you're trying to build as dense a footprint of industrial as you possibly can, simply to maximize that revenue for that really scarce, scarce product.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you referenced 0.7 percent availability That's nuts, right? right? Yeah, I mean, if you went back, you know, over the last 30 years and pulled aside somebody, you know, you got in your time machine and went back, you know, 10 years, 15 years in industrial, and said, hey, uh, by the way, your vacancy rate is going to triple. It would give industrial owner a bit of a heart attack if it tripled now ballooned all the way to 2.1%. That is still a very tight market that would still exert upward pressure on rents. Yeah,
1: and we're seeing no slowdown. You talked about the 12 million square feet coming on and that not being nearly enough and that they see no drastic change in that number. Again, just gives weight just how attractive the fundamentals are of industrial real estate in the GTA in particular. It's not going away anytime soon.
2: Unlike many other asset classes, just the planning and regulatory bottlenecks for getting development done will contribute to a tight vacancy and existing product, of course, still seeing incredible demand. When you get a vacancy rate that low, though, there is ancillary damage for businesses that can't operate in the GTAs, they can't get space. And so, you know, it becomes inefficient at a point, but for industrial owners, it's a great time.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably pushing those users outside of the urban centers or suburban. I'm talking just like Toronto proper, not necessarily the suburbs suburbs, but there are negatives. We haven't really felt it yet or heard about it en masse, but absolutely it's occurring.
2: That's it for Bill Bullender. We appreciate him coming on. Thanks everybody for listening to the very end.
0: Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.